We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. We're getting ready to have a live spectacle. What we were trying to say, you got to walk home. Walk home. Walk home. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. To reach Devin Wade with a question or comment, follow him on Twitter at Wade's be a part of the group on Facebook by joining the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group or liking the page. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast, episode number five, as we do what we do. And, uh, and the way that we do it, just got off the air here locally in the city of Houston on KTSU Sports Talk. And, and now we get to go uncut and go live, go raw, just explicit. No, not really. Uh, nonetheless, welcome. Want to remind you guys that you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Sports Talk with Devin Wade, and on SoundCloud, where you can uh, hear this anytime, all the time. Please share with your friends. We, uh, of course, are excited about it, and we hope that you are as well. A couple things. I want to um, have a couple of guests this afternoon uh, to talk anything and everything sports. You never know quite where we're going to go. Uh, welcoming in former Houston Oiler, wide receiver. He was uh, really nationally renowned and uh, quite the character, more than some of you guys know. And he's a dear, dear friend uh, of mine. Haywood Jeffries is in the building. Uh, and uh, we'll talk to him shortly. In addition to that, uh, anticipating a visit from Terrence Harris, uh, AP writer who uh, has some Houston ties, obviously, and uh, covered the Saints for a number of years. Currently doing a lot of stuff in Central Florida with the Orlando Magic. And, of course, uh, what, he did some SEC stuff. So we'll talk about all those things. That's coming up a little bit later on. want to remind you guys, you can um, tweet me at Waysword, W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D, and on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook. So all those ways to get in touch and be a part of the program. And it's, it can be interactive. We do polls from time to time. And I did a, uh, a poll this week. And as I bring in Haywood, Haywood, uh, yeah, okay, now this is my poll this week. And it had nothing to do with sports. It had to do with your favorite television theme of all time. What is your favorite television theme of all time? Sanford and Son was by far my, that was your favorite? my favorite. So we'll play the winner of that. Uh, a lot of stuff happened this week, and uh, we want to get into some NBA uh, pretenders or contenders. Now, last uh, last couple of episodes, I did a, uh, a pledge to say that I'm committed to watching the NBA, even if my team has no chance to win the uh, to go to the NBA Finals. And my team being the Houston Rockets, since I'm a Houston native, last night big win on, on the road uh, against Oklahoma City. Which one of those teams, can any, either one of those teams really legitimately contend with Golden State for an opportunity to represent the West? No. I agree with you. Not at all. And and, and, and it's sort of frustrating to know already that, that we pretty much know uh, who the final participants are going to be. We pretty much already know those things, right? Yeah, well, at least 80%, <laughs> and that's a, a, a great percentage. So, uh, yeah, if no injuries or everybody stay on the same course, it'll be a Cleveland and Golden State final. And I, and I say that too, barring major injury. And just to qualify who, who you are, uh, this is of course is Haywood Jeffries, former Houston Oilers wide receiver, and we you know we've been uh, really close friends, best friends for what, twenty plus years. Um, but of course, you had a, a stellar NFL career with the Houston Oilers, and a lot of people you know 
a lot of people bring up when I a number of things when they talk about you or they you know they know that we're friends. Right. Uh, for, for a lot of folks, it's Tecmo Bowl because on Tecmo Bowl, the Oilers were like a great great team, and you were like a star on that team. So I, I, had you heard that before the whole Tecmo Bowl thing? You were my you were my receiver on Tecmo Bowl. Yeah, it makes me feel old. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I'm talking about people, you know, in the, the 30s and the 40s <laughs> then, but then when you talk to people at the 20s, they'd be like, Tecmo Bowl. Right, uh, right. But, what was that? Yeah, what was that? Yeah, but, but the Tecmo yeah, Bowl. Yeah, it, it brings back some great memories when uh, they come up and I so talk to you about it. You, you played on a team that really was, I would say, if you, when you, you talk about NFL teams who are among the top teams to never reach the Super Bowl, I think you had to put that team in the mix. I think the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, at, of, of right a little bit before that era, around in, at that time, that was another team that didn't get a chance to to play uh, for the Super Bowl. But you played with three Hall of Famers, obviously Warren Moon and Mike Munchak and and Bruce Matthews. So you played with some some great players. I mean, just so many guys on both sides of the ball. So I just want the people to, uh, and obviously most folks who who listen already know who you are, uh, but to know that, yeah, this is a very accomplished guy. Three-time All-Pro, two-time All-Pro, three-time? Uh, uh, three-time Pro Bowler, two-time <clears throat> All-Pro. Okay, two-time, three-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro, and All-Madden team twice, right? Yeah, All-Madden. Uh, what when you, What was the year you led? You were you had a hundred catches. You led, did you lead? You led the AFC. Did you lead the NFL that year? Yeah, I led the NFL. And you when guys like Michael Irvin and all those guys in your rearview mirror. And so, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, great, great, you know, great time. And and I've been inundated by all of these Cowboy fans lately on, on the local show. And I'm anti cowboy Cowboys. I can't stand anything Cowboys. So that that's uh, for the record. I think you kind of agree with that. Uh, as well, but let's let's get into before we get into the NFL. Big hire by the University of Houston yesterday, and of course, I'm excited about it. I want to get your take on Major Applewhite getting the job at University of Houston after Tom Herman leaves to go leaves to go to University of Texas, rather. Well, so they stay with somebody that's on their staff, familiar with their players, and um, he's a good recruiter from what I've from what I've heard. Again, I know Kiffin was in the uh, the running for the job. And they felt like had the right man for the job, so uh, I'll have no problems with Apple White. But we know any time when you uh, you, you know, when the game is uh is on the line, it's all about win and losses, and uh, that's what he's going to be measured at. So, well, you know, and this is the thing about Lane Kiffin and Les Miles and all of those guys, and this is what I, I say about the entire U of A situation. And if you want to break it down and sort of, and you know, look, U of H, we're trying to, we're looking for a wifey. We're tired of these thoughts. We're tired of, of these side pieces. We had the side piece in Tom Herman. We had the side piece in Kevin Sumlin. We had the side piece in Art Browse. All of those guys left the program, and, you know, we had our fun with them, and then they moved on and left us, and they went and married at Texas A&M, Baylor, and now the University of Texas. Uh, you know, we're looking for wifey at University of Houston. That means you, you're looking for a coach that's going to be there for a while, uh, you know, you don't want to be uh, Mickey Rooney with Ava Gardner and, and she leaves for Frank Sinatra. So now that's a really, really dated reference. So anybody over 50 will know that reference. But again, you know, I give Tillman Fertitta all the credit in the world. You put a, a big buyout in the contract so these guys don't leave. He said this. We don't want these guys to leave after 24 months. We want them right here. And I think the move, it keeps continuity in the program. I think it's a great hire because of recruiting. But, and because, again, at the end of the day, you have to have 
It's, it's not all about X's and O's. It's about Jimmy's and Joe's. And, and you have to have the Jimmy's and Joe's. And if you can keep that momentum and recruit, I think U of H uh, can be okay. I, I really think the Big 12 screwed them and how they, they handled the whole deal with expansion. And I think the, I don't think the Big 12 will be, be around for long. And, and that being said, I cannot stand the direction big-time college football is going. What are your thoughts on, on the evolution of – Big time college football. I think it has a good place. I mean, it's uh, you like the super conferences. It, it's a billion dollar business. I don't care about the see. This is the, everybody brings up money. Everybody brings up money, and it's ultimately all about money. And I understand it, but that's not what that's not what college football was totally about. For from from me as a fan, it wasn't about oh the money. I don't. I, I like the Big East because the Big East had those rivalries right, right, in basketball. Right. I like the Southwest Conference because you knew every year you had Texas or Texas A&M or even Baylor and TCU coming in. Those are real rivalries. I don't like the Super Conferences, and you do? Well, I mean, they Super Conferences because they they got great teams in the conference. And if you're not going to be in a Super Conference, you better go undefeated. You know, let's just take U of H, for example. U of H had everything in front of them. And at the end of the year, they collapse like most out like most power conferences uh, gonna have losses. But right. you think U of H? Oh, we're gonna just run this show. You beat Louisville, and then you lose against teams that you should beat. Yeah, so SMU, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't understand that. So. Well, and, and and that's an individual thing. But the fact that a team like U of H can be a really quality team, and you can't get like teams they're gonna have a harder time scheduling non conference opponents. So guys not on in the non-conference, you know, in the power conferences are not going to want to schedule them because they're too hard to beat. Look at Boise State. Boise State has a tough time finding opponents uh, for their non-conference schedule. And so what you do is you kind of keep those teams locked out of the party. It's hard for them to get in. Another thing I don't like, what you have like Syracuse in the ACC now. Really, what you have Notre Dame playing a, a SEC basketball, I mean, an ACC basketball schedule. It, I cannot stand that kind of thing because your regional rivalries have gone away. But I do. I think they should expand the uh, the playoff system because it will get more of the uh, smaller the schools, smaller schools a, a chance. chance. A that's chance. that's why I say expand it. But you know, let's just look at it. You know, Ohio State plays Oklahoma out of conference. Right. Uh, that was a that was a big time it, game for them. Yeah, it was. But at the same time. I don't appreciate them that say, hey, Ohio State number three, and they don't even play in the conference championship. That, that, yeah, that right. doesn't make any sense oh, well, whatsoever. I, we just had this argument. I think Penn State, you beat you yes. beat Ohio State, and you win your conference championship. You should be in, you're in the playoff. You yeah. should be in the conversation and, and not really to pe- penalize Washington because a lot of yeah. people say, well, if you're going to do that, Ohio State belongs, but you don't want to screw Washington. In, Washington in has nothing to do with with the Ohio State Penn State deal, Washington was in. Washington was a great team throughout the whole year. If you see them, they beat several ranked teams, and, uh, and if you look at the end of the year, their uh, championship game, they, they blew it number, out. They, they blew out the number eight team in the country, which was Colorado. So then you go back to Ohio State, and we talk about Michigan. If you lose in the way that Ohio State and Michigan put themselves in position. They're not supposed to go. Right. Michigan, no, they wasn't and, supposed and this to go. And this is when I was through with the playoff system, and this was a couple years ago. 
when TCU should have gone instead of Ohio State. Now, Ohio State goes on to win the national championship and win. They beat Alabama and they won it all. But really, they didn't even belong that year. It should have been TCU. And I think TCU could have done the exact same thing because they didn't get in because they didn't have – they were not – enough eyeballs weren't on them. They were not the hot team. They were not the big school. They were not the popular school. Think about this. They said, well, it, you know, with the whole deal with Baylor and TCU at the uh, top of the Big 12. Had that been Texas and Oklahoma, one of those teams definitely would have been in the playoff, and that's just because they were a bigger school with a higher profile. And that's why all of that is a joke, and I'm not a, a big fan of uh, big-time college football. It's just a money grab, and I'm just, I'm just really not a fan. Well, let's just take, for instance, let's take Louisville. Nobody really heard of Louisville for it's been a, a football power. But just because they had a Heisman Trophy candidate, that's what you're going to need for as you know, maybe a smaller school or maybe to get an interest in somebody, have that explosive player or just have an explosive defense or an awesome offense. You know, you got to have something that to catch, you know, the uh, you know the media's eye, yeah, you know, and the, yeah. you know, and the, and the football fan, you know. So I like what Louisville did. But, again, until this team finished the 12-0, TCU did it, which they thought would have never happened. But that wasn't – Well, they lost to Baylor and and, and it couldn't go. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So I want to shift gears when you talk about the the big-time college football. The Heisman Trophy will be awarded later today. So by the time most of you hear this, uh, the award would have already been given out. Uh, Obviously, to me, it's Lamar Jackson uh, from Louisville should be the Heisman Trophy winner. It seems like, but but this is what my problem with, with that. Guess who didn't get invited to the Heisman ceremony? And you're talking about Deontay Foreman, who rushed for 2,028 yards, the leading rusher in the country, played at a, a, in a power conference for a power school. You don't even get invited. You have two guys from Oklahoma, but you don't have the leading rusher in the entire country. I mean, what is the deal with the Heisman? I, I mean, this is ridiculous. All of this stuff is ridiculous in, in college football these, these days. I have a problem with Oklahoma. What is this thing with Oklahoma where they just think that Oklahoma has all these great players? You had two guys. You had I, yeah, yeah, Westbrook I'm very, and, I'm very and Baker Mayfield. I'm very disappointed in it. I don't think Mayfield should be there. I don't, I don't think, think uh, what, I don't think the receiver should be there. The reason why I say these guys was picked to be really the team in the to playoff, be in the playoffs in the and playoff. the, 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 probably be the one that went it. And, uh, and they lose Alabama that, right out that, of the gate to University of Houston, right yeah. out of the gate. So it took me right away from them being in the Heisman Trophy or even the, even probably the playoff uh, consideration. And, and really, if you look at it, P. Ryan was the guy on that offense that once he had some success, that team – uh, was a lot better off. And, and, again, I'm not an expert on, on OU football, but I do think both, though, they those guys were overrated. I thought Foreman should be there, and he should be there. It should be Jackson, Deshaun Watson, and, and then you can include a guy like Foreman, at least in at the ceremony. Now you have five guys there, and you don't have a leading rusher in the country. What? Who would have thought that? I mean, that's unbelievable. Right. And it's all politics, and it's, it's not a whole lot of fun these days. Uh, let's shift gears. Let's get into the NFL. Now, my NFL, my favorites to go to the, the Super Bowl, both suffered a big loss this week, even though they won on the field. Uh, in the AFC, I have been the guy beating the drum for the Kansas City Chiefs. Had a big win over the Raiders, 23-13. 
Tyreek Hill, the new X factor for the Kansas City Chiefs, two touchdowns. He had a 36-yard uh, touchdown reception and a 78-yard punt return for a touchdown. Travis Kelsey, the heralded tight end, five catches, 101 yards. But you lose Derrick Johnson out for the year with a ruptured Achilles tendon. Uh, DJ Alexander, a fifth rounder, will take his place at the linebacker position. Before we get into who you think is going to go to the Super Bowl in the AFC, tell me about Kansas City. Are, are you excited about them? Because I certainly am. Well, you're a defensive player, Devin. Well, uh, I mean, you know, they're not the most exciting offense. I agree with that. But, again, top to bottom, I, I mean, I love what they're able to do with Justin Houston and Tom Bali on defense. You got Peters on the back end. You have some guys in that secondary that can, can ball out. And now you have a special teams player and an a X factor. And then you get Jeremy Macklin back who played, uh, but he's not, you know, he'll, he'll round in the shape. The, the AFC is wide open because I don't think the Patriots are, are who we think they are. And they may lose to the Ravens this week. I'm not saying all that. I can tell right now that you're not a uh, Patriots fan. Uh, I'm not. not, You're not a fan of the Patriots. People love the brand. They're not looking at the product on the field. This is not the same New England-type team. Uh, They've capitalized from a horrible division. And when they did face a tough team in Seattle, Seattle gave them the business. And I think it may happen again tomorrow. So you go to the AFC West. You look at you got probably three dominant teams and one team that nobody wants to play. In San, San Diego. Diego. Nobody wants you to play. Denver. That's... You got the Raiders. You got Kansas City. And Kansas City is a nice piece. Four and oh in that division, by the way. Oh, that doesn't make any difference. That's the way Kansas City play. But Kansas City always play that way. But when it comes to the crunch time and gets falling into the season, you know Kansas City is going to lose that playoff game somewhere there. To me, obviously the Raiders can be dangerous. Uh, Denver right now, we don't know where they're going to be. Because of the quarterback on, play. Of the quarterback play. And at the same time, he's playing better. You know, and Kubiak taking a lot of chances. So let's give Kubiak some credit. He hasn't done that in the playoffs. We know uh, Kubiak is coach, so you know winning the Super Bowl makes it so much easier. You know, yeah, to, to you take have chances. A, a different understanding of <laughs> yeah. what it takes to get there. And again, now David Carr, the other, uh, actually Derek Carr. <laughs> you can tell my Houston bias. Derek Carr, seventeen for forty-one for what one hundred seventeen yards. Now, what they can do consistently, and have, for the most part throughout the season, is run the football with uh, Latavius Murray. Been able to really run the football well. I don't trust Carr in the playoffs, any team that doesn't have playoff experience, I don't think that I can put them in the Super Bowl. I just think you once you get in the playoffs, it's a different animal. This is a funny thing. Let's look at the AFC West. And like you said, the Raiders look good on paper, like they had a, a, a franchise quarterback right. with no experience as far as in the playoff. And then you go to Kansas City, which is you a know, veteran, Alex Smith. And, we still, and guy. we still don't know what Alex Smith still can do. when He's it comes, playing well, yeah, though. But he always do that. And then, then when it comes to the game that he has to win in the playoffs, he can't. He still hasn't done that. My sleeper is Denver. If they get in, it's because they have all the experience. Right. And I the know guys. that sounds silly, but you know how Kubiak is going to coach that if you get in that situation. So if you ask me, the, the team that has the best chance to go somewhere on the road to win is Denver to play the Patriots because I do think it's going to wind up being the Patriots and Denver in the um, AFC uh, I, I'm uh, going to tell you, who, yeah, yeah, and they'll have a bye week, but I'm team that second week they're not going to want to take over, take on. And I think all three teams will come from uh, – three teams will come out of the AFC West. I think both your wild cards will come out of the AFC West. I think it will be. Unfortunately, it won't be San Diego, which is, again, a team nobody wants to play, but I don't think they can get there. So I'm looking at Denver, Kansas City, and Oakland will be your three playoff teams out of that division. 
course, whoever wins this muddled, ridiculous AFC South will be in there. And then you'll have the Patriots in the East. And the North, who who are we liking in the North? You liking Pittsburgh or the Ravens? These guys are starting to really round in the shape like they always do. I think that they suffered. I think either one of them that loses can look back and say, we had one or two losses early on in the year we just couldn't have. Couldn't have. And that's, that ultimately cost us the playoff. Who do you like? I mean, because, again, those are two teams. You don't want to play either one of them in the playoffs. Flacco and that team is looking a little bit more dynamic. And then, of course, you have so many offensive weapons. But you're not afraid of Pittsburgh's defense. But you have so many offensive weapons for the Steelers. And and Bell and 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 Roethlisberger and of course Antonio wow. Brown. So uh, and then the, the other the the, the complimentary receivers are, are are really good too. Yeah. Uh, which one of those teams scare you the most? And who's going to win that division in the AFC North? Well, it's, it's kind of funny who scares you the most. You already know that's Pittsburgh because you know with all the weapons they have. They I mean they have a great running back, great receiver, and complimentary. That, yeah. But at the same time, Pittsburgh don't give you that same feel like they did last year. But now you got you have the Ravens going on the road this week to play uh, the Patriots. It's very important for the uh, – The Ravens the, have to win this game. I, I, I think so, too. If they don't, I think they'll still be okay because I'm like – I'm looking at, you know, in that conference, you know, in the North to see whoever wins that, that division is going to go ahead and go on to uh, only be one – yeah, playoff contender. Right. But at the same time, who's gonna play? Whoever's gonna be the two wild cards, one of them's gonna have to play play there. So let, let's let's sort of forecast this thing out. Say say, and again, we have a lot more football to be decided between now and then. But let's say now now Kansas City leading that division, and I think they have one. They have two more conference games, uh, division games. Two more division games for Kansas City. Say they go on to win that division. So now you're looking at New England and Kansas City with a bye week. So that means that Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh would host a playoff game, and you you're probably looking at hosting Denver or Oakland. And, and then you have, you know, another way you get a Texans host, a Texans or oh, Indianapolis hosting Denver or Oakland. The home teams have no chance to me in, in either of these. But again, you have to travel. And then so now you're looking at the second round with possibly like Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh in, in Kansas City or I don't know, I guess what, Oakland or Denver going to, to going to New England. Well, if, if the Texans win, let's just go off. We, you know, and I don't we, know that we, they we, will win. In the we division. don't know, but we got they in first place right now. So we have well, it's a three way tie. Yeah, but they have the breaker, right? Right, the division record. Oh, the, the division record. So let's just say, who would they rather play? Let's just say if Denver, Denver's in right now, and you have the Raiders in. Uh, you'll say which one does the Texans want? I would think they will prefer. To play the Raiders, right? They lost to them on Monday night, and the game they really, yeah. to me, they look really good in that loss. Yeah, but they, they, but, they really yeah, so did. they will probably want the Raiders back. But yeah, again, yeah, they'll probably want the Raiders back. The reason why I say Denver, I think the I think the Broncos got the Texans number for some odd reason. Right, I just right. you know I don't like the all the things that's going to come in the game with Oswald coming. You know, Ben and Denver, and, and, they, and they've kind of done and, that, and they, they and they don't have a lot of respect for him. You can no, kind of no, see that, no, no. So. and they really want to hurt him. They really want to put it to him, and they put it to him. Well, they want to intimidate him, and they do that because they think they can intimidate him. They were teammates with him for three or four years. They know him, and and they feel like that they can intimidate him, and that's why they do that. So we'll have to see how things play out out in the 
uh, in the AFC. But again, a lot of football. But it's just fun to kind of speculate on moving forward. How how's that going to look, and what matchups are potentially yeah. out there this week in Week 15? Your, your key games, I think you the big game in the division in the AFC South are the Colts hosting uh, the Texans. Now the Colts have what five starters that'll be out due to injury. So yeah, they're just a walking you know mash unit. Uh, then you have a, I think the marquee game of the entire weekend uh, are the Cowboys going to the Giants. I think the Giants losing kind of took a little bit of luster off of that matchup because but matchup because they can't catch them now. It'd be hard to catch Dallas right. now, but I think it makes an important statement if they beat them. And even with uh, without Jason Pierre-Paul who's out who has surgery, so he's out. Uh, you know that's a huge game. Steelers at the Bills. It's big because again that AFC North has to figure itself out. The Bills are hanging around and they're a really formidable football team. Uh, they won't go far. And then of course you had the Ravens at the Patriots. Which game do you want to look at? Which one? What's the game to to watch for you? You forgot about even Denver going to Tennessee. So Tennessee is much in that mix as uh as uh the Texans or Indianapolis. But I, you know what? Of course we we get the fancy game. Uh, you know, with the Ravens and uh, uh, and the Patriots, and the Patriots, and right. you know, that's going to be a big time defensive battle. You know, the weather's going to be, you know, it's going to be like like opposed football weather. Yeah, you know cold I mean? yeah. and probably yeah, probably bad weather on the, on. The, I didn't look at the forecast, but I know it's cold all over the country. So yeah, even though you got this, another sexy game with Dallas and the Giants, and that's the prime time. Game. It doesn't have that much flair in it no more. Because, I think so. I think I, because I they're the only team that beat Dallas. But they lost, too. You know, with them losing last week to Pittsburgh. And the that hurt. That the hurt they this matchup. They didn't look good. Because if they if they beat Pittsburgh Ooh. and they beat Dallas tonight, they're one game back with, with three to go. So. Exactly. And then you go back. The game, to me, of the week, can the Texans be who they think they are and who everybody thought they, they were going to be? Uh, I don't think so. And, I, and I know I – know, I, I, I gotta just say, hey, Osweiler, this to me is not so much the Texans' biggest game. It's to see if Osweiler can come up with something to to make it feel like, hey, that this is a, a team that is moving in the right direction. Is going to be a playoff contender. Well, and again, in as I wonder on the national landscape, and of course we're here in Houston, so uh, we're more in the eye of the the, the Texans hurricane which is a really bad storm by the way for for texans fans but uh you know from a national standpoint i don't think that they move the needle one way or the other i think that's a throw-in team that's a uh, also ran team whoever comes out of that division and and so from that standpoint i don't think that'll go into any national buzz at all i, I like uh, again the, the game i want to see the most will be the the, the giants and, and just to see if they have the formula to to beat them and i think again you can peak too early. Go. Let's go back to your Oilers days when when you lose, you struggle out of the gate. What th- one and three? Uh, you 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 pull Warren Moon, you put him back in, and you go on this tremendous run. And it, uh, it's almost like you didn't you didn't want that bye week almost. Uh, but w- w- what was it like to be on that kind of run? Would you want eleven straight? Was it ten le- ten or eleven straight? Well, it's 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 an awesome feeling anytime you win. And I can you know you look at the Cowboys; they lost their first game, which is ridiculous and, right. and ran off what well, we th- they well, had 11 straight, 11 straight yeah. right now everything is going right for you that you the plays that wasn't happening last year and the and the breaks that wasn't happening last year everything is going your way but the main thing is once the season is over it it's starts, all brand new it, it's a start of a new season it's playoff time and look what we did as great as we played the in Kansas City, the first half, that playoff game that we lost, that you know, obviously, like we came off eleven straight. 
then all of a sudden, and, and you know, and, then all of a sudden, we you know we lose the football game. And, and yeah, and I was on the sideline for that game. But but you know what? The, the, the thing about uh, the the entire situation when when you talk about you know the, the Oilers in that run, a lot of people talk a little bit about what they, they focus on the Buffalo game. The Kansas City game the next year was the game that that hurt more than the Buffalo game. Because I mean, re- if you really look at it, this team rebounded. They, they did what they had to do to get right back in the mix, and you lose that. That that was the game that really made. Now, granted, if you win the Buffalo game, I think the Houston Oilers are still in the city, Houston. But that really cemented the fact when you lost, because again, the salary cap was coming in. Too many guys would have made too much money. They really didn't manage that, Mike Holovac, and they didn't manage the salary cap knowing that it was coming. They just threw everything at that team in in, in the '94 season. You know, well, if you look at that team, I mean, it's, it wasn't all about even guys and well, probably some of the highest paid guys at their position, but they went forward those three three or four years, right? And you had a lot of talent on that team, and not just talent. You know, when the players are known. Not just you know locally, but you know they became naturally that you know hey now this not just that even the team you know with Houston it was not just that's about the Cowboys or you know mm-hmm. those team or the New York Jets you know popular team Houston became one of the more popular teams so because of the style and the personalities exactly. on that team and just the talent uh, on I had Eddie Robinson your former teammate in here and he of course he played for the Titans in Jacksonville and he had some success in both of the, at both of those teams he said he never played on a team with more talent from top to bottom then those first couple of years with that those Oilers teams and we and, and you need to go back and listen to the podcast cuz we tell some some he tells a story oh, yeah, too yeah, yeah. and uh we get into some of those things let's talk let's talk more about the NFC now my NFC pick uh was the Seattle Seahawks now obviously it hurts to lose Earl Thomas and I think it hurts more than losing Cam Chancellor I think it hurts more than losing Bennett Michael Bennett but he's back but I mean but Chancellor and 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 Bennett are back but when you talk about the one guy you don't want to lose on defense, you probably can even stand to lose Sherman more than I think Earl Thomas. I think Earl Thomas is the heart and soul. I, I don't maybe I'm overstating that a little bit, but I think that's a big, big blow uh, to that team and their right. Super Bowl hopes. What are your thoughts on on the? Uh, let's go on the NFC overall, and then you can okay. talk specifically about Seattle. Well, the M- NFC overall, come on, let's just go ahead and and give Dallas its due. They've done a tremendous job this year from the you know, from the previous years. They you know, you know, we wanna say what Romo is and what he's not. We know he's a legitimate quarterback and we can see all the uh teams that are struggling today, they would love to have a a, a quarterback like Romo. Uh Dallas been very fortunate uh, to have somebody waiting there, that's playing great ball. They have two rookies just came in that's playing exceptional football with uh Prescott and you know, and the running back. So uh I look at them been the uh, the toast of the uh, NFC, but I don't look at them being the toast of the team that's going to represent, but I think they'll do well as far as finishing up the regular season, and I think Dallas has some flaws. I think Atlanta is yeah, a Atlanta team. Yeah, Atlanta's a team it, we always sleep on because we yeah. think that they're going to do the same thing yeah. every year. Well, you know, here's a team that I look at that is a team you, you probably don't want to deal with too much, and that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay's defense, nobody wants to play that defense. I can tell you that. I'll play that quarterback. This <laughs> guy, Jameis Winston, is truly a superstar. I, uh, You know, I see how the regular season started. He started off strong. And then, you know, he went up, you know, had some hiccups along the way. Right. You know, had some uh, growing pains. Some growing pains. And, you know, they lost some games. But, man, he's showing you what a franchise quarterback is all about. He's been in every situation 
scenario that you can have right. that's playing throughout the season. To me, this is truly a franchise guy. They right. have that where other teams are worrying about trying to find a quarterback. And then, like you said, they have a nice defense that nobody really knows about. So that's that's kind of scary. And then right. they got a little nice piece over there that's sitting at the wide receiver position. And Mike Evans, and, a Galveston, Texas yeah, native, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, they are a very interesting team. And right then nobody now, wants to yeah. play. You, New Orleans is sort of fading. Carolina is yeah, just know falling apart. And so it'll come down, uh, you know, can they compete? Because, again, you got Washington on, on the landscape as well. We'll have to see uh, how that plays out in, in the uh, in the NFC. Uh, before we get out, of course, you're from North Carolina, so you're, you're a basketball guy through and through. You played on a, a really good high school basketball team. I think you, you – I want to say you've told me this before, but you would have preferred to play big-time college basketball had the, the opportunity – come the way you wanted it to so was basketball your first love over football it was well you should know that Devin well, Shoot, I, mean, I was beating you every day yeah, uh, I know. And, you know and, never, put, and on a bad ankle too right yeah I, yeah, I did bad knee you but, were you were so long you never had to leave the ground <laughs> I know I I still like your post-up moves. Yeah, I've well, never hey, seen nothing like that's it. That's my dream. Uh, the dream shape. I love that. <laughs> that drop step. Yeah. You know, and then I get blocked. I, I you know, I never you know, I'm never a basketball guy. Yeah, of course. I've always dreamed of being a basketball player, but I cannot complain. You know, I had an opportunity to do something that a lot of people had. Yeah, you got a chance to play at the highest level in football. So yeah. Exactly. Not much complaining you can do. Yeah. You, you lived the, you've lived the dream. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, that's like a million. It's, well, you know, I wanted to make my, my, my million somewhere. Else. No, no, you you've lived the dream. A couple other things. Uh, Rashawn Salam, uh, 1994 Heisman winner, found dead of a de- uh, apparent suicide. That was a, a tough, tough thing. Uh, never did really make it on the NFL level. Had a lot of expectations on him. Didn't pan out. Um, the other thing, a couple head coaching d- deals on the college level. Willie Taggart hired at Oregon. Charlie Strong is in talks to possibly replace him, although I would sit out and take that paycheck and see if I can get me a TV gig and let Texas go ahead and, and pay me. The NBA stuff, I asked you about basketball because of the NBA stuff. So you, you, you're you the L.A. Clippers, you sit there and you circle this game and say, yeah, we want Golden State, and you go out there and get blown out 115-98 to 98 in a game that was never really close. Uh, you know, the Clippers are hard to take serious. And, you know, they started off so hot, you thought that they may be – I didn't think it, but some people thought that they would be a serious contender. But they uh, – who's the second-best team in, in the West? Because last night, the Spurs suffered their first road loss on the season to the Chicago Bulls, 95-91. Actually, the other night, uh, 95-91. And, you know, who's the second-best team in the West? Oh, it's it's the Spurs, uh, no doubt. You know, San Antonio, they – they have some new uh, acquisitions on their team too that and, they're working in, and they're working in, and you know, the, you know, now the older players really have less minutes, and they got to manage them too. So this is a run for them, uh, for Parker. This is probably Parker's them last year, the him and Ginobili. Now they just got to mesh in with the uh, the new players. San Antonio can be dangerous, you know, but at, at, on a you know the best four out of seven, you know, playing a team like the Warriors. I think it's going to be tough for anybody uh, that's in the West right now. So I'm going to give you three teams, and you can tell me which one of these three teams in the Western Conference has the best chance to really make some noise. I mean, really have a legitimate chance to, to go to the finals. And you got to pick one of the three, the Rockets, the Thunder, or the Clippers. Who, who is the team that you you would worry about the most? Because uh, I think that, look, and I said this in my commentary uh, the last podcast, a couple podcasts ago, where – Basically, you're looking at a situation where only 
three teams in the NBA, I think, can have a legitimate argument to say we may go to the finals. And I think those three teams are, are obviously Cleveland, and Golden State, and really you can have a softer argument for the Spurs. But outside of those three, in 27 other cities around the NBA, nobody really has a legitimate chance. But if you had to pick one of those three, which one would you pick? I don't put the Spurs over the Rockets. No, well, you you don't put the Spurs over the Rockets. No, I, I you put I, the Rockets over the Spurs. Yes, I just think that's not a good matchup for the uh, for the Spurs this year. It's always been in the past, but I think the Rockets finally found the way to get the Spurs, even on the Rockets. Uh, so, it, it, uh, so if you're gonna yeah, do I, that, if you're gonna do that, yeah. give me your top three teams in the West. Okay, in, in order, in order, go to State number one. Right, the second best team in the West. I mean, you still gotta uh, go with the Spurs. It, 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 it's the Rockets. So you think the Rockets have a better chance of advancing to the final? I didn't say that. Well, you said no, but no. Said, well, but, oh, but I'm saying, let's me, can they make the can they make the conference finals or the to the NBA finals? Let's qualify okay. all of that by saying, give me your okay, top now, three. Okay, if you're gonna do it like that, I. Um, you just think that the Rockets have a, a good matchup versus the Spurs? Yes, if they play the they play the Spurs, they will beat the Spurs. What about the Clippers? Would they beat the Clippers? They will not beat the Clippers. How good can Oklahoma City be? Oklahoma City's. Not there yet. Westbrook is trying to do too much. Um, How long can he sustain this pace, the triple-double pace? Well, I I don't – Twelve on a it's, season. It's awesome. But what he's doing, it's different from Kobe, and, you know, and maybe LeBron and them doing their time. I think he's trying to prove something. But at the end of the game, he's not the best player. He he turns into this player. I think the rant think he is is that he gets so erratic that he He'll does anything. I, yeah. I watched him. I watched him last night. The Rock. So it is unbelievable. Uh, right now, I don't even think nobody's going to come close to him as far as the MVP. Is that's what they think the MVP is? Let's go ahead and give it to him now. Right. But to me, I don't think that's the MVP. You know, playing that type of ball. That's why Kobe didn't never get it. If that was the case, Kobe should have had what five <laughs> MVPs, right? right? Right. But again, Kobe was a basketball mind when right. it came to the end of the game and we know what he could but the problem is who can he defer to on that team Oladipo I mean the, the I, guys oh I'm not saying that I'm not I love what he's doing but at the, end of the, in the, at the end of the game he's not the best player right. he, he shows me he's this guy that plays on the Sandlock basketball court and think he's going to get a foul. And you know you don't call fouls. And I watch them at the end of the game. He's always looking for a foul. You don't look for you don't you don't bail people out at the end of the game. You got to make your way. And right. I don't see him do that. Well, I I want to well, again thank you for for coming through and having this conversation. I know you're doing some other stuff too. Some online some apps. Uh, you're doing an app thing, right? You yeah, want you yeah. want to talk about that if you, you can Oh have, yeah, I'm just doing it's a fire fan uh fire app. fan. Yes, you know, well, you know everybody can just sign up and get in. So um, it's my understanding so what it, you get to do fantasy within the game. So instead of like going from game to game, say if there's a series or a half you can actually get in on some fantasy stuff during the half and compete really kind of with yourself. Is that right? Yeah. I'm, you know, maybe one day I'm going to get you on there and, sh and, and maybe show people how to do it instead of you, you know, since I don't beat you at everything, maybe you can finally beat me at something. Oh, I beat you in fantasy football. Yeah, I know. I you, you, yeah, you're, yeah. yeah you, you're, not, you're not exactly the, the computer expert, so you, the fantasy football got away from you this year. I did beat you in fantasy football. Oh, I know maybe right. I can do better in five fans. But so. I have beat you in the football pools for the last couple of years. 
You, you know, won't beat me this year. I, I got I, 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 I'm it's, blowing it's not, it's water. Not, it's, not over. it's not over oh, yet, Devin. Right. Okay, I just want to now you got to start gambling, taking yeah. some chances. What you've been doing for the last yeah. few years? You know, you this lost. year I went 14 and 0 one week, 14 and 0, and then I went 14 and two. So in, in two weeks, I never went undefeated in a week before until okay. this year. Okay, so. about time. Well, hey, with that, I want to thank you for stopping by. Coming up, Terrence Harris on the other side, going to do our uh, kind of the two-minute mix, but I think it's our dance break. We're going to take a dance break, come back on the other side with Terrence Harris. want to thank you. Hey, Wood, always wow. enjoyed it. Uh, you're tuned in. Welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade Podcast. And want to thank former Houston Oilers receiver Haywood Jeffries for joining us. And as promised, uh, right now on the line is Terrence Harris. He is a guy that uh, most of you, if you have not heard him, you've definitely read him from NOLA.com to his, his days here in Houston to covering various things around the country. Now you're with AP Terrence. Uh, good morning, and thank you so much for taking time out to visit with us this morning. Uh, thanks for having me, Devin. How you doing, my man? I'm doing great, and it's always good to hear from you. You've been on the the show locally here in Houston, and, uh, of course, we'll hear from you. Uh, parts of this interview, we'll hear from you uh, on that as well. Well, these days you uh, you find yourself in, in Central Florida. You're doing uh, – what are you covering these days? Man, I'm covering a little bit of everything, it seems like. I mean, primarily – I'm covering the, the Orlando Magic. Uh, I do a little bit with UCF uh, football and basketball. Basketball actually is on the cusp of maybe breaking into the top 25. So if they end up doing that, then I mean I may be doing a whole lot more with them. But right now um, it's just mainly you know covering uh, the Magic, and then I'll do some new. I have some news responsibilities, which is also very new for me. I mean you know I was I was here for the you know the, the Pulse nightclub shooting. Uh, the alligator killing, and, and and for some odd reason, George Zimmerman and I have become tech buddies. I, I don't get that one. But, what? You know. Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. How, does, yeah. how does that work? I don't know. I don't know. I, I still don't really know. But, I mean, at one Does point, he know that you're African-American? <laughs> yes, he does. He, he knows it. I mean, you know, and, 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 and George, I mean, you know, he, he clearly has some, you know, he, he has, some issues. I mean, and, and, and that that's without a doubt. I think with how is found, he still alive? That that's my question. How is he? Well, I mean, I hate to be crude, but how is he still alive? I don't. I don't. Yeah. I mean, you hate to say it. I mean, you know, and you, and you definitely don't. I don't wish any, you know, death on anybody. But you know, you can definitely see that. You know, he has a tough life. I mean, you know, and, and it's it's it's. it's it's always going to be a challenge for him. I mean, you know that that's you well. Know, that's you kill a you, have to yeah. Pay. You kill a kid. Of course, that's what it's going to be. Right. You <laughs> know. We, you know. I think you know the irony of all ironies is this this situation right now where a guy is about to spend twenty years in prison for shooting at him. That's crazy. But you know, this guy killed a kid and didn't spend a day in prison. 
That's unbelievable. And, and again, yeah. that's part of a, you don't talk about Trayvon. And again, I know this is a sports podcast, but we can talk about anything we want. But I think that was the, that was one of the linchpins in starting the movement, the Black Lives Matter movement that eventually evolved into Black Lives Matter and it eventually turned into Make America Great Again on the other side. It's really just been a tumultuous time and, and Zimmerman certainly uh, as a infamous figure in all of that played a, a major part. And again, I wish him nothing but the worst. So, I mean, and again, God forgive me because I'm, he's not done with me, but yeah, so so that aside, that's a very interesting turn, and that's where journalism will, will take you. And, and I'll I'll have yeah. some, I'll have some definite questions about uh, that side of things as well as we look behind the curtain and, and talk to. What we want to do is talk to writers and, and media types from around the country to kind of get their take, especially the African American writers and and broadcasters, to see what's going on in their world. And we'll get to that. But I want to ask you a couple of things. I mean, covering the Eastern Conference and the NBA. And yeah. I, I did it. I did a whole pledge. I made my made my listeners take a pledge with me that we would still support the NBA despite the fact that we already know who's going to be in the NBA finals. And that really around the NBA, twenty seven cities around the league have no chance to go to the NBA finals. You have about three that can make an argument uh, that they could get there. That being Golden State, San Antonio, and and of course Cleveland. Uh, what's your take and, on, on your end of the country? And, and don't forget about the Clippers. I think the Clippers will be able to beat Golden State in the Western Conference Finals. I really do. But I look, look, okay, and, and and this is where I said this, and we talked about this early on the podcast. You didn't hear this, but uh, this is where the contenders became pretenders this week because again, you heard Blake Griffin kind of circle this game this week versus the Clippers and I know we're still in December and we have a lot of basketball but when you circle a game on your NBA calendar and you go out and lose 115 to 98 I mean how serious can we take you well I mean but keep in mind I mean all I all I have to say to that is look at the Cavaliers matchup against Golden State last year too they weren't pretty remember last Christmas right. what did we we came away from Christmas kind of feeling like oh my god I'm from Cleveland so I mean I was like man we have no shot but then I had to really look at it. And here's the thing, and it's the same way that right now. The, the Golden State Warriors are probably the toughest one-game matchup you could ever have to come across in the NBA. They really are. They, they're, not, they're a matchup nightmare, especially when they're hitting their shot. But I think in a series where you can now create matchups and, 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 and counter things and you, you have an opportunity to really focus on them, I think that they're beatable. I mean, that's why they have some trouble if people – you know, people kind of forget, but I mean, you know, uh, Memphis gave them a little bit of trouble. Uh, Portland gave them a little bit of trouble before Cleveland ultimately beat them. I mean, it's it's a different game once you get into a playoff series. That's why, you know, having a a, a five or seven game series is so critical to you know you, you you now you can't just be the hottest team because that's not going to get you through a series. You have to be the better team. And I just feel like they've given up so much inside. They have nothing inside. So in a series, I think that the Clippers will be able to pound them. And if they can hit enough shots, enough shots to kind of keep pace with them and, and weather those storms when they're doing really well, and then, you know, but by continuing to pound the ball inside, and then once they go cold, because they're going to go cold every game. It's just, that's just how shooters work. Now that's your opportunity. But they have so many of them. And, I mean, you know. Yeah, but they, don't, they can't stop. They have nothing inside. Nothing. This is still a game that can be won and lost in the paint. And in a series, that's where it will be won and lost at. Well, and, and I think the, the number one thing when you talk about the uh, the Clippers is always been the intangibles, 
the chemistry issues, the the lack of uh, I don't I won't say heart, but the lack of uh, intestinal fortitude to get it done. I, I think that's sort of where your criticism lies uh, when you talk about the Clippers and whether or not they can even get there. I've never been on the Clippers bandwagon. It's almost like the Atlanta Falcons of the NBA, which they do they do pretty things, but you don't really take them that serious. But we'll have to keep an eye out for that. But what about in the Eastern Conference? Because in the Eastern Conference, you, I mean, you want you want to say maybe Boston. You might want to say maybe the Bulls. I mean, maybe Toronto. What are you seeing? You see these uh, these teams in the Eastern Conference a lot more closely uh, than we do on a consistent basis. What are your thoughts on the NBA East? Well, well I, I think that, you know, you, 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 it's, it's, I'm curious to see how Chicago – and Boston, how they gel together. I mean, right now, you know, they're still kind of, you know, learning each other. I mean, you can see that. I mean, that they, that those, that those two teams are still kind of figuring it all out. But if they get it all figured out, they could be, you know, two very dangerous opponents for the Cavaliers. Now, I think the Cavs are still the best unit because I feel like they, right, right now, in my opinion, they have two of the best players in the league. And they, these guys are getting better and better at playing together every day, and that's LeBron and uh, and Kyrie. Right. And, then, and then you got Kevin Love coming in, and now once again he's finding his groove and becoming that double double guy for you. I mean, right now the, those three guys are playing great. You know, Jr. isn't playing as well. Tristan isn't playing like he he played, but you know, if those guys kind of get you know get their acts together, but I think that they're they become sort of they, what they what they're trying to do is match the Golden State Warriors and stay in step with them, which I think could be a huge mistake because they have nothing inside, right. and that's what could hurt them in a series as well. I mean, you have to be able to when the shots aren't falling, you have to be able to pound the ball inside. Now you do have LeBron who can take it to the paint. You do have Kevin Love who can take it to the paint, and and and, and we all know Kyrie. I mean, he can penetrate. You do have guys who can attack the basket when their shots aren't falling. Well, I know like, that they. I yeah, I, I know Cleveland had the three-game losing streak, and then LeBron was like, "Look, okay, there's our wake-up call. Honeymoon is over. We can get over being NBA champs. Let's roll up our sleeves." I sort of look at them like San Antonio and Greg Popovich, where you you're not competing against uh, the the standings night in and night out. You're actually pacing yourself and with one goal in mind, and that's to win the NBA championship. So I think that. Uh, much like the San Antonio Spurs, you you, you have uh, times in there where they won't be focused night in and night out, and they will be working on other things uh, as a part of building back up to uh, competing for a, a championship. Yeah, yeah definitely, and I, and I totally agree with you. I mean, I think, you know, LeBron has, has kind of helped, I think, help these guys understand. I mean, you know, it's not about, you know, you, you want to do well because you want, I mean, you want to try, try to have home court. Advantage. I mean, that that gives you your best shot at winning too. So that it's still important to win, you know, to win enough games. But you know, but at the same time, you know, you gotta you, know, you gotta balance that with some other things, like you know, making sure that you you know you guys aren't too drained, too stressed. Um, you know, I, I I'm sure we'll have the time and somewhere in January once again where LeBron's gonna take maybe a week or so off. Which that's I think which is, is great. That's crazy to me. That's yeah. crazy as an old time basketball fan. To see that yeah. kind of thing, but that's—I guess—that's just the era we live in these days. It's, it's, it is. I mean, and, and it make and it makes sense now, especially because you got to keep in mind the old school. We you had teams that had more depth, so you had guys that played more. You know, you had 
bench guys who played more minutes. The star players now play way too many minutes in the NBA because you don't have that depth. I mean, maybe some of that has to do with the salary cap issues, things of, things of that nature that kind of changed the game some. So, no, I, I, I'm all about do what you need to do for your body, you know, get some rest, uh, you know, take a, take a step away. I mean, and I, and I hope that, you know, LeBron's able to do that this year. I hope Kyrie, I hope Kevin Love, I think, I think they all three of those guys need that at some point. And if the Warriors are smart, they'll do it too. Well, they One do it. Look, they, they do. They do it night in and night out. Where you got, uh, you have a guy scoring sixty points in twenty nine minutes, and you know the games in the, throughout the season they don't even play in the fourth quarter. So you're looking at guys who who essentially, you know, you come out and you you have like an hour's work a night. You know, I mean, you, your work is done in, inside of an hour, a little bit over an hour. You know. So yeah, I, I think they're able to, to to pace themselves in that way. Although it doesn't look quite the same as not even dressing out. You know, you dress out, you get warmed up, you take your shots, you get in your routine, and then you uh, you play for twenty eight minutes, twenty nine minutes, yeah. and you're up by by thirty, and you can take the fourth quarter off. So I think from that right. standpoint, within the game, they're able to take those breaks. LeBron takes a vacation. <laughs> I mean, no, that is he's crazy. He's he going to play somewhere else. He ain't even in the city, you know, let alone in you know, the arena. That, does I, that I bother you? Know, because that, bo- no, that bothers you know, me. At first, at first it did, but then I kind of get it. I mean, and, and, the, and I, think the, I think he's being smart about it. But Popovich sort of introduced this whole notion of, you know, it, it's about being ready for the long haul, not not being ready for individual games. I mean, you know, you don't want to be the regular season champ like the Warriors were last year because it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an empty title. Right. What you want to be, you want to be NBA champions. I mean, and so if that's, you know, if that gave him the opportunity or the chance to recharge and be ready for the, for the stretch run, then by all means do it. I mean, you know, if, if Kyrie, you know, needs a couple of days off, Give him a couple of days off. I mean, you know, the same with you know with, with love. And I want to see these guys learn to be able to play, not only play but win without LeBron, because that's what that's what carried. Remember, that's what carried the Warriors. They won some games without Curry last year in the playoffs, I right. believe. Right. I want to ask you about your uh, the well, not your, but the team that you you most closely affiliated with these days, the Orlando Magic. Give us a reason to be interested in Orlando Magic basketball. You know, <laughs> if you need to take a minute, I, if you need to take, I, I, I'm there every night, and I and I, and I and I think the same thing sometimes. You know, then you take God, and well, the way AP is set up, you know, you, you the story is really about the winning team. It's not about the team that loses. So I don't have to really focus on the the the, um, the Magic when they when they lose. And I mean, and, and I've only watched them have four winning games so far this season. They're four and seven at home. Right. You know, so I've only covered four wins for them this whole season. How uh, how's so, the fan base? How, how do they support them in that city? What is the the energy like in the area for that team? There really isn't a whole lot to be honest with you. I mean, you got people who come because they, you know, people are from Orlando, so they're going to support their team. You got some people who come because they're NBA fans, and a lot of times, quite honestly, you have team, you know, people who show up because they're fans of the other team because you have a lot of people who move here from other places. Right. So, I mean, like, like for some odd reason, when the Wizards show up, they get a, a, a you know, a pretty large following, you know, um, here. So, I mean, but you know. I think that this team is, is interesting. I think it was, it was built flawed. They don't really have a score. You know, they, they have a couple of decent shooters, but I mean, but a, a guy that, you know, you can, you know, can just 
put his head down and get you points, whether it's, you know, shooting from the perimeter or driving to the basket. They don't have that. They have a lot of outside shooters, and then you got Biombo, who they paid a lot of money to. I mean, but, you know, he's limited. I mean, he's a great defensive guy, defensive presence, but he can't give you anything offensively. Serge Ibaka is probably in the, the latter years of his career, so he's not as explosive as maybe he once was. So, you know, you're trying to pin a lot of offense on him. It's just not going to work. Uh, Aaron Gordon, I think, has been, you know, so far just a huge failure for them in terms of what, you know, what they're trying to do at the, at the small forward spot. He's just, he's not, he's, he's a gifted, gifted athlete who can do some things around the basket that just will leave you like, wow. But he leaves a lot to be desired when it comes to, you know, what he can do on the perimeter. He, he's playing the, it's, it's called the, the Paul George position in, in Vogel's offense. And he's just not, he ain't that guy. Right. You know, and defensively, he's not that guy either. I mean, he can't, you know, he's, he's a little slow, so he can't really take on, you know, the, the, the other team's best best player. Well, I want to sort of shift gears to a, a, a team you used to cover quite a bit. And last time, actually, we talked we talked about this team, the New Orleans Saints on, in the, on the NFL side of things. You were not very high on the Saints. And, and, again, they've done some things and really Drew Brees has sort of surprised some folks with some of his offensive output. What are your thoughts on really the NFC South and, and on the Saints this year? You know, the NFC South to me is just it's made up of four teams that, you know, you just really don't know from week to week what you're going to get. Right. To be just, just to be totally honest. I mean, and, 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 and sometimes I think when I look at those teams, if they were spread out over other conference divisions, they might all be at the bottom of those divisions, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, just just being real. I mean, you know, I, um, you know, I know the Falcons and you know the, the Falcons in Tampa are actually tied now, right now. I think for first place, and then with with New Orleans in third. And, and I, I will say this, and Haywood and I talked about this. I don't think Tampa is a team. A lot of teams. Uh, offensively want to face. You don't want to go up against that defense. That defense is playing some really good football these days, and, yeah. and they have a really balanced uh, approach to things. I, I, they don't scare anybody as far as being a Super Bowl contender, but on any given Sunday, especially in the playoffs, if you don't you don't come prepared, maybe, just maybe, you're, you. I mean, obviously you have a tough game, but you, you never know. You turn the ball over, uh, some bad right. things can happen. Tampa, I think in that division, Tampa is the team that might be the most uncomfortable to play. I wouldn't say they scared me, but I think they might might be the most uncomfortable team to play out of the three, of the top three teams. I'm mean, we're writing Carolina all the way off, so out of yeah. the three teams that are in the mix, I think that's the team that makes me most uncomfortable. Yeah, and you might be right about that. I mean, I just think that you know, especially if Julio Jones is healthy. That 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 Atlanta Falcons offense is the, the potential for it being explosive. Is just, I think what, what, that's what makes the difference. It's pretty because as weak as that division is, I mean that that the whole NFC is fairly weak this year. So as of right now, you probably get two teams out of the NFC South into the playoffs, which a year ago would have sounded ridiculous. Yeah, but, and it's some, yeah. yeah I, we have to see what what happens in that uh, the, the NFC East to see if. If uh, Washington or the Giants, what where they end up, especially the, the Sunday night game with the Giants, if they beat the Cowboys. I think that they are are in good shape to be in, and then we'll have to see what happens with with the Redskins. Definitely, yeah. But I mean, but right, but as of right now, I mean, you know, if, if the playoffs started right now, you know, both, I think, you know, both the Saints, not the Saints, but uh, the the Buccaneers and the Falcons would be in today. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting thing to talk about. And as promised, I want to sort of appear behind the curtain because I, I think as I talk to my peers uh, in the media these days, it's such a, a changing landscape. So we want to appear behind the, uh, the scenes a little bit to look at some of the, the things that are going on as it pertains to media and, and African-Americans in the media. You were here in Houston. Uh, where, where all have you been uh, as a writer? Well, I mean, I've, you know, I've bounced around and, and kind of building my career. Um, I've always been that guy who wanted to, you know, wanted to take on different challenges and also wanted to move around and see, see some different parts of the country. I mean, you know, being a kid that grew up in Cleveland, so I mean, I bounced around a little bit. I, I went, my first job out of college was in Kansas City, and I went to Indianapolis for a while. From there, I went down to uh, the, to the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, worked there for a number of years, and then I went, uh, went to Arizona. I uh, worked in Arizona for about four years. Then after that, I started chasing the best stories. So, like, all of a sudden, the South Bend newspaper was a smaller market than I'd ever worked in, but Tyrone Willingham was there, and he had he had just come off of a 12 and one season, and everybody was thinking, okay, he might be able to take Notre Dame back to the promised land. And I just thought that was a phenomenal story, and I wanted to jump on it, and so I went up there, and, of course, we know how that all kind of worked out. So after that, I got an opportunity to come down to Houston, and um, and I went to Houston and, um, and worked for the Chronicle for a number of years, and then got a great opportunity to work for AOL. And and then, you know, in the box, but coming towards the end of my time in, in, in Houston, that's sort of when the industry changed. I mean, and everything sort of tightened up. I mean, when I got to Houston, I mean, the resources that we had available, I covered Texas A&M and the Big 12 for them. And the resources that we had were just over the top. I mean, the things that we could do, you know, from, you know, given from week to week. I mean, you know, we could look at a football game and decide, you know, within three or four days, okay, we want to go here or a basketball game. We think this is the best game. And so we went. Mm -hmm. You know, we had resources. But, you know, that started to dry up toward the end where we, we barely could go cover our daily beats. Mm -hmm. You know, and so that, and that's when things started changing a lot. I mean, just, just being real with you. And now, I mean, you know, we're in a situation where, you know, it's like if you're not really working for ESPN, it's almost like you're not working anywhere. Yeah, it's, you know, it's so amalgamated all in that one, almost one-stop shopping. And what's getting lost are some of the really important stories that are out there and really exposés where you can kind of look behind the scenes. I think you t talk about a show like Real Sports, they're able to do some of that. But it used to be your your beat writers, your guys on with boots on the ground able to affect those uh, sorts of things and really bring those stories to light. And really, really, I think over the long term, it'll hurt sports if you don't have that human connection with some of the guys on your team. Uh, and, and I think that's where, I mean, it, it, I'm it really at a loss to see where this thing is going to go long term. Uh, well, I think it's going to get worse, Devin. I mean, you know, like, like take, for instance, over in NOLA. I mean, you know, they don't even travel with – the Pelicans, the, the NOLA.com, the paper of record, and with the arguably, you know, one of the biggest stars in the NBA on that team. I know they're not very good, but, I mean, you know, we used to cover a team, especially early on in the season, nobody pulled up. You went home and away with your team because there was interest. I mean, and, and you had to see this. But now, I mean, NOLA.com, when they made their decision, it, it, it was based off of readership. And clicks, you know, huh? now, now you can you can gauge, you can can better gauge readership based off of clicks. 
Whereas back in the day, you, you know, you couldn't. You know, you but just see, had yeah, newspaper sales. But, but it gets to, and it gets to be silly because now all of a sudden you had these weird headlines where you know, oh, you know, who's having Anthony Davis's, uh, uh, you know, his, his his love child? And of course, that'll get more clicks than how many points and rebounds he had in the game. I, I think that's really kind of long term. I think that's a a crazy way to have a barometer for what. I mean, and again, I'm, that's an exaggerated point, but. I, you know, yeah. I, I, how do you measure, you know, building and sustaining a love for not? I mean, and, and you would think that these organizations will will want more coverage as far as as hey, you you have to build a generation from generation to generation in the market, uh, your love for a team. And if you don't have those stories and that coverage, you, you're not gonna have well, you're not gonna yeah. have that long term. And, and we're gonna see, maybe, and we'll see how the, what, what the effect is gonna be there. Um, but I still just think it's a bad idea from the point of, you know, we're supposed to cover our communities. And like me and my sports editor over in, in New Orleans, I mean, when, when they made that decision, I mean, uh, it, it didn't have a whole lot to do with me, obviously, because I wasn't covering the beat or anything like that. But I also saw the damage and the danger in that. I mean, because we didn't cover Tulane. You know, we didn't cover them away, which is, uh, that's the school in your in your city, you have to cut a Division One school. No, they're not as successful as they as they should be, or you might want them to be. But got to cover them. I mean, I, 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 I learned I my best years of learning really how to work a beat was covering TCU for the Fort Worth Star Telegram back in the mid nineties when TCU wasn't what it is now. Right when they were really, but in that in that purgatory between uh, the Southwest Conference and the Big Twelve. Yeah, and so I mean, we were in the they were in the whack, and and the, and the travel was expensive. But we went everywhere with them. I mean, you know, they were one and eleven one year, um, you know, and, and we but we went everywhere, and you learned how to work a beat, and they you know, and it, it didn't matter to my editors. You know, it was never a discussion of well, should we go here, shouldn't we, because of the expense. If they were in Hawaii, we went to Hawaii because we were the paper of record. I mean, I, that's what you did, and so. I think now, though, it's all based off of, you know, who's getting the next question. And they're saying, well, Tulane, people who read about Tulane, I mean, we're stuck at 10,000 clicks, and that's it. So we got to figure out a way to do that without, you know, without extending ourselves. And yeah, the same kind of thing yeah. with, with the Republicans. Okay. It's, it's the chicken or the egg kind of thing. If you cultivate interest, there'll be more interest. But if you don't, then guess what? It'll wither and die, I, I think. I want to ask you, as a uh, African American in this industry, uh, how have you seen changes? How, how has that experience been? Did you you feel did you feel that the the changes in the media landscape has affected us disproportionately on the at least on the, the writing side of things? Oh, it's, it's, it's like with anything. I mean, come on, man. I mean, when we have a depression, it's more depressed. It, it, like when we have a depression in this country, and, and, and they they make a big announcement that okay, well we're we're in an economic downturn. We're like, well, we've been there for we've been there for a couple of years already. I mean, y'all <laughs> just now feeling it. So, of course, whenever something bad is happening, we're gonna feel it probably sometimes more more than anybody else. And that's that's what what goes on in journalism. I mean, I think you know when you look at the you know when there, whenever there are layoffs, trust me, we 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 always have disproportionate numbers in newsrooms, but we're always a part of any kind of you know downsizing. We're gonna always be a major part of that, so we're gonna we're probably gonna make up fifty percent of that when we only make up two percent of the newsroom. Oh, yeah, you know, and so and that that's just that's our reality. I mean, you know, and, and then 
we're not always getting those opportunities when you know when when the websites and stuff are are you know are, are ramping up and you know you, you got some of you know you know SB Nation and, and, and places like that and you look around and you and you know you just you would be just stunned at how few African American faces are part of, of of those sites. I mean, you know that that is proud. Now we just we don't play a part in those. I mean, once again, if we're not working for ESPN. We're not working for anybody. Fox ain't really hiring us. You know, SB Nation has, you know, um, and I can't even think of the other website that's also really popular that, you know, and it's because they've just ignored us. They come to our convention every year, throw a huge party, and never hire not man one of us. Right. You know? Well, and, and that's like, why well, I, I want to talk to more uh, uh, African-American, right? Because it's so much, so much talent, so much intellect, so much insight that I don't think is getting a voice and getting heard. And that's why we want to peer behind the curtain. And that's one of the reasons why we want to have these conversations, at least on my podcast. Because, again, I can I can control this more than I can control what I'm able to do on my, my, on my terrestrial radio show. I'm able to, to do more and de- delve into these type of subjects and, and really have give people an opportunity uh, to have these conversations. Definitely. I mean, and, and, and it's, it's a good conversation to have. I mean, you know, and also – you know, even on your side of things, I mean, you know, man, it's just—it's rough. It, at, it really is rough. At, when you look at the, the amount of brothers and sisters who get opportunities to, to get on the radio, yeah, it's it's getting fewer and farther <laughs> in between. And and again, you look at this market. We have four twenty-four hour uh, sports net uh, stations here, and uh, if you're not a former athlete, you're not you're getting not, that you're, gig yeah. as African American. You just, yeah, you're not getting on. I mean, and. and I have one one director basically tell me that like, hey, you're really good, but you know if you didn't you know if, if you didn't play for for one of these teams here, you know there's no place for you. Right, you it's know? unfortunate. And, so that, and that's you know, and, and, that, and that is that's unfortunate, but that's 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 the world we live in. I mean, and and these these news directors, station directors, or whatever. I mean, that's how they think. Yeah, it's a, it's a wild time. But, again, we enjoy having these conversations, and I want to thank you so much for visiting with us today and uh, just, just being available. And I hope to do it again because, again, there's so much, in, uh, you know, so much interest there and so many people want to hear from, from guys like you and other uh, African-American writers and broadcasters from around the country. So I really appreciate that. Um, before I get out of here, we're doing a thing. We did a poll on my Sports Talk with Devin Wade uh, group uh, on the the group on Facebook. What is your all time favorite television theme? Your all time favorite television theme. The song that you that you hum in your mind and you know all the words to are from television, old or new. Good times, baby. Good times. <laughs> hey, well, look. I, Ain't I, we lucky we got him? Yeah. Don't make me say. Hang, hanging, hanging in the child line. Well, you know what? In just a minute, I'm going to play the winning song from the poll question on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page. But, again, I want to thank you so much. If you hold on for me, I'll catch up with you in just a second. But thanks so much, man, and we really appreciate it. Terrence Harris, AP News, and uh, all-around great guy. Hey, thanks so much for joining us inside the Sports Talk with Devin Wade. With that in mind, I want to wrap up this edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. And I'm going to do it a little bit different. I'm going to do it with the winning song from the poll. want to remind you guys, you can follow me on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook. And, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Wade's Word. Uh, follow the podcast. Subscribe on iTunes and on SoundCloud. Well, you voted for it. Here is your 
your winner from the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group on Facebook. Your winning song for your favorite television theme of all time. And as always, have a great day.